Music, news, entertainment. It's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hi, it's Kelly, and this week we chat with Toronto-based electro-pop group Featurette talking about their latest album, Dream Riot. We're joined as well by Canadian-born but New Zealand-living recording artist Tammy Nielsen discussing her new album, Chicka Boom. We've also got new music on the way from Justin Bieber and Tame Impala. Lexi and John from Featurette have recently released their sophomore album, and we are going to delve right into this new project. Lexi and John, thank you so much for spending time with us on The Kelly Alexander Show. Thanks so much, Kelly. We're stoked. You are. This is awesome. So when we spoke last time, uh, I think like we we were talking about a single that had just come out at the time. And now, like months later, we have an album, a nine song album. So excited to talk about it. I wanted to ask you, I guess, first off, did you guys feel a certain pressure in creating this sophomore album? Because, you know, I'm sure you both have heard before of the sophomore jinx. Oh, (laughs) no, I'm hearing about this now. Oh, are you? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Tell me more. Tell me about the jinx. Do you want to explain it, John? Yeah, the jinx is your second album, Bombs. Oh. No one likes it. That's oh, it. okay. Well, I don't feel that that's going to happen, actually. I feel pretty stoked on this album. Okay. Pretty confident about this album. That's awesome. Because they always say, you know, that you know when you do your first album, you can sort of take as long as you want and kind of fiddle around with it. But usually there's, you know, there's a pressure to get that second one out, you know, in a timely fashion. So I was just wondering if there was extra pressure. Did you guys feel like things flowed very smoothly when you were writing and recording? I think that uh, as, as far as like the timeline of it all, it didn't feel smooth for us. We did feel like we were like falling behind, if you will. But I think like good art takes time. And there's something to be said for that, too. You don't want to just put something out because you're like, OK, we got to get this done. Bam. And then maybe that's why the jinx happens. Maybe people put stuff out too soon when it's not ready to be released or it's not like their full vision. They're just like making more music or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then maybe it bombs. But but really, like we put our heart and soul into this and the writing process was so smooth. Like it really started to flow for us. And I think that all the tracks on this album, although different from what we put out in Crave, have really evolved. I think the characters and the stories have evolved, too, and even the image as far as all the music videos we put out this year and everything. And I just like it, it is the art that we're meant to be putting out now, whether or not the time is right or wrong. It, it doesn't matter because it's what we're supposed to be doing. Does that make sense? Yeah, makes sense. When you're in the studio, though, do you have like uh, an internal gauge where you're like, this song is working or this song is not? And forgive me, it's because I've been reading Elton John's yeah, biography. You totally. do? Okay. You got to throw it out the window. Like sometimes it's like, okay, well, we tried. And then you listen to it the next day and you're like, this is garbage. <laughs> yeah. And you move on. Okay. John, is that this? like, do you have an internal gauge? Um. I think I think I have a gauge in that you, you get frustrated you can't uh get the sonicscape to to really sing to you and that's sort of probably an indication that you know it's time to move on to something else that's for sure. I was reading that Tyler Shaw was a part of this. So can you explain for the audience what that means and I'll just give a little bit of background. Tyler is, you know, an, a Juno nominated Canadian artist. He's played on the radio right across the country here. So lots of people love Tyler Shaw. So how did you guys hook up? Tyler's a big deal. Um, he's actually also a fantastic ping pong player. Fun fact. Did um, not know that. I'm going to ask him that the next time um, I see him. We uh, we uh, worked with a new producer on part of these tracks as a collaborator. So all of our tra- all of our tracks are produced by Mark Kosher, who's like our number one guy, um, especially on this record. And uh, so Pillsbury or Alex Wujic is the other producer on some of the tracks um, on this coming album, and he is very close with Tyler. He and Tyler uh, have produced many tracks together, and they are a lot poppier, obviously 
obviously than a lot of the stuff we've put out so far because Tyler Shaw is like more or less a pop artist. So what we wanted to bring in this album is like not the same like kind of dark and grungy like you know mysterious artist feel like we wanted a little bit more pop influence in this album not to say pop music necessarily but just like hookier grabs you more like forces you to listen and then like gives you what you want kind of thing maybe a condensed format like the pop format if you will and Tyler's an expert in that so we brought him in for a couple tracks and he showed us like the ropes as far as like you know our writing techniques it was kind of a writing boot camp as far as learning how to revisit our writing process so it's still very much our songs with Tyler's influence in them which i think is really cool the best part about tyler like i am a very very poor singer whenever I have mel- mel- like any melodies that i'm trying to articulate to lexi she always like scrunches her face like what were you trying to say and then what tyler, you saying, boy? tyler's like i think he means this and like oh like you know riffs off and it's like I'm like yeah that's right Tyler. that's like, what i meant that's, that's what, what I-, I was trying to do <laughs> exactly yeah he's a fantastic fantastic artist well-rounded guy in general yeah that's awesome yeah he's super solid and it's been interesting watching him evolve because i i think i interviewed him one of his first interviews when you know he got going several years ago and now just to see the confidence in him is is crazy but it's like a humble confidence and he just like he knows yeah. what he's doing and he's kind of like somebody said this to me once and it makes sense to me he's like canada's ed sheeran yeah yeah i feel that that's great yeah Yeah. so talk to us now about uh your producer mark because i read too that you know he helped you guys on the first album and now you've gone back to him so was that a uh, you know like an easy decision to make and i know you said you've added in um pillsbury but i'm just wondering to go back to mark was that a, a super easy decision yeah, I mean, Pillsbury's not on every track. He's on some tracks, and I think when you hear those tracks, too, you'll be able to hear, like, the the influence that he and Tyler have on those songs because um, it's really strong and pop and great, but uh, Mark is, like, he's our, he's our dude, man. He's not just a producer. He's, like, at this point, I'd say he's the third member of our band for sure because he's had a hand in everything we've done so far. He produced, like you said, our first album along with our other friend, um, Josh Sadler-Brown, uh, but Josh moved... Uh, well, Josh lives in the States, so, like, it was too cumbersome to go back and forth. We needed to bang stuff out a little faster. And uh, Mark and John and I have like this fantastic synergy. So it was like never not an option to like, he will always be our producer so long as feature at the band. If we start making other music, maybe, maybe not, who knows, but like he's, he's our, he's our guy. He's actually played on stage with us a couple of times since now. So we're sort of expanding our show a little bit and having him come up and do some like crazy nerdy synth pad stuff. It's pretty sick. Joining us on the show is Lexi and John from featurette. You can grab all of their social media handles from their website, featurettemusic.com. How would you describe this album and the songs that make it up? This album is the evolution of the story that we started with Crave. So in Crave, uh, we called that character Featurette Girl because we didn't know what to call her. She's not like just me. She's kind of the cumulative experience of both John and my stories like over the years sort of fused together to create her own story. And so that album was through Composed. It was sort of like a relationship from beginning to end. And at the end of the album, she really figured out who she is and what she wants and that she needs to spend some time on her own. So now... In like, you know, a year and a half later in this album, Dream Riot, she spent that time on her own. And these are her thoughts and her opinions that are uniquely her and nobody else's. They are louder. They are unapologetic. They are true. And they're true to what we believe, too. It's very personal for us and for her. Um, And the project, I think, evolved on every front, like the character evolved. And because of that, the sounds are louder. The messages are more honest, I guess. And like we know what we want to say now and how to use our platform. Are you going to be touring the new album? 
I mean, I want to be touring the new album. <laughs> do I have a tour in the works right now? No. Do I have dreams and goals and plans? Am I working on some stuff? Yes. Do I have dates? No, but I'll okay. let you know. <laughs> okay. You let us know. And do you do you like being on the road? Because I know that you guys have gone out with like Scott Hellman. I know you've shared the stage with peeps like Alessia Cara and, and all that sort of stuff. So what's it like being on the road for you guys? We like being on the road. We sit in a like a Toyota RAV4, like. Everything yeah, compact great. as anything because we're just a duo, right? So we can fit like us, our sound guy, our LED wall f thing, like a soundboard, <laughs> all in a Rav Four, which is very no, no luggage though. If the basically sounds for <laughs> no, we, we rewash our underwear every day. It's okay, sad, I thought you, so. I thought maybe you tie Lexi to the roof and see how that goes down the four hundred one. But we do love being on the road. I think it's uh, it's just the flip side of the coin. It's so different from the writing process. And I think it really takes a versatile artist to be able to do that regularly. Like, it is not easy. I think most touring artists could attest to the fact that, like, it is extremely tiring and it's really hard on your body and your voice. Your voice yeah. um, it's hard to, like, eat healthy on the road and then get the energy from that. It's hard to change your routine. But it's also, like completely exhilarating and like the payoff is huge every single night and then you wake up the next morning and you're like why and then the night you're like yes <laughs> morning you're like why and it's just this push and pull but um yeah we really love it and we hope to do more of that this year i'll be shocked if we if we don't do more of that this year how do you find canadians artists are or sorry i should say canadian audiences are for you guys like because you do have this electro pop sound and i mean i know that there's a a, a diverse audience in canada that likes hip-hop we like r&b we like pop and of course there's the umbrella where i think everyone thinks that we just listen to rock music up here but for the sound that you guys are putting out like do you have love in like winnipeg and vancouver and smaller towns in between I mean, we haven't actually gotten to play yet in, in Winnipeg and Vancouver, although we do have plans at the moment to play in Vancouver this year. Uh, so we'll we'll have to let you know on that front. But as far as radio, we have gotten love um, from sort of all around, especially with Crave. So I'd be curious to see what happens with Dream Riot. Uh, this sound that we're putting out now is a lot more electronic than before. So less radio format than before, <laughs> which like, you know, we'll see how that goes. It'll go one of two ways. But I think there's also obviously the question of Spotify and you can see sort of how your audiences gravitate towards your music there as well. Um, we do get love across Canada and I think it's really cool to watch the audiences and like how diverse they are too. Like in Toronto, like the audience is like super cool. They like cross their arms, like bop their heads yeah. a little bit. But then <laughs> in Ottawa, they like run up to the stage and like throw their hands in the air and freak out at you so it's like it's neat to see the diversity there yeah, montreal too like montreal everyone's like going for it right so it's interesting from town to town every town seems to have their and every, a lot of musicians will say this but the, every town has their own like music listening identity and we always find that when we play there's people in the back that come to the front at the end of the show and like hey that was awesome i loved it yeah and somebody who looks like they're having like a crappy time they'll like go to the front of the stage after and be like you moved me to my core and i'm like are you serious like i thought you were gonna cry because you were like bored here it was like no they're like no that was like very impactful for me i'm like all right okay like i can get behind this that is very cool and i wanted to ask you and i realize i'm biased because of being a montrealer but in all the bands that I've interviewed, you know, Canadian bands, they always seem to have a special place in their heart for us. Is that true from you guys? Because I know you've been here, obviously, before. I think for us more than, like, most even. Like, we have this crazy connection to Montreal. When we did our Scott Hellman tour, we played a show there with him that was, like, sold out. And it was it was huge. What was the venue called, John? 
I'm going to not remember in time. I'm dyslexic. It's not my fault. My name's Lexi. I'm dyslexic. This is my confession. I'll look it up for you later. It starts okay. with an A, and it's a biggish venue, and it was real fun to play. Oh, Lastrell. Was it Lastrell? Lastrell. Yes, 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 yes. Thank Very you. Very good. Okay. And, um, and so we played that show, and there were fans in the audience who had done their homework, um, younger fans as well, who like did some like serious online stalking before this happened. So they were like ready for us when we hit the stage which is not normal i'd say for most indie bands like if you're unknown to the place you're going to mostly like chances are you'll play in front of an audience and it'll be like a first impression most of the time if you're touring with somebody else right yeah but uh that audience was like stacked with like these like younger girls who like obviously were like huge scott hellman fans and because of that they were like these awesome music nerds who were like let's do our research and so you know in seeing the interactions online i knew who a couple of them were especially like this girl sarah who we wrote a song for on our album that we're coming out with which i could tell you about afterwards but uh yeah so i I recognized a couple of them and like named them and they were like oh my gosh like you know who i am and then started this like lifelong friendship and like we talk all the time and like we're interconnected now some of them have music blogs and like put this stuff up on there and they're like like true featurette fans. Some of them make featurette fan accounts even. And like, I don't know, Montreal, like they really connect with us in ways that we haven't maybe anywhere else in Canada, even Toronto, which is mind blowing because we're from here. But yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Montreal. Well, I knew when I first met you guys a couple years ago that you would translate well here. Just like there's, I think there's an innate knowing when you're a Montreal or which bands are kind of going to pop here. And like, I knew, I knew you guys were just different enough for us to love you. That's dope. I love that. That's a good way of putting that. Cool. Yeah. Aw, don't cry. <laughs> That's all good. I, I, I love to uh, make an artist te- teary. It's good. Now, uh, speaking of touring, though, I did want to ask you, too, because I was reading in, in some of your bio notes, um, and I'm not sure I knew this before, uh, that you guys are influenced by music coming from Northern Europe as well as places like New Zealand. So I'm just wondering, like, is there a, uh, an, uh, you know, a big-time goal or an over, over sort of umbrella goal that you want to head to Europe and tour there, too? A hundred percent. I want to go there now. I want to go there yesterday. Like, (laughs) I think when we look at our like Spotify Intel, we can see a lot of love coming from like Germany and France and Amsterdam. And like, I would, I would love to go out there. They have, they have that electronic thing going on. Like they don't do the rock thing like we do here. It's much more electronic. And uh, I would love to exhaust that and just show them like what we got because we have like tons of energy and I think it would resonate well with their audiences. Like, I want to throw a German sparkle party. <laughs> so hard. Please invite me to that great. one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll film it for you. We could fly you out there. That'll be yeah, amazing. We'll get, we'll, get you, we'll get you a pair of rubber boots. Oh, my God, oh, yeah. I'm ready. Bicycle shorts, rubber boots, and glitter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. my God, I'm so ready for this. Um, I did want to ask you, too, uh, this kind of struck me before, because I was, I, I, like, a week ago, I have a music segment on one of the stations I work for here in Montreal, and I played a new song from Pet Shop Boys called Monkey Business. I'm just wondering, are they somebody that you guys would look up to because of their synth roots? I, I, you know, I, I don't, they're not on my list of like, of my direct influences. So I would say, I would, I would look into it. I wouldn't rule it out, but it's not, they're not someone that's like popped up. I think for us right now, we maybe don't go that, we don't go as far back. Mm -hmm. Um, We've been really, really influenced recently by like, you know, future based stuff with like, you know, that sort of realm of stuff and, you know, Biscuit and like a little bit more European uh, like new wave, but not new wave, like modern, contemporary, like a little less melodic. 
okay. sounding music. Yeah, like when you get those chopped up choruses. Oh, yeah. Just like vocal sounds that are chopped. Like we do. There's a lot of that on this record because okay. it's like really impactful. <laughs> we like listening to it, so we want to create it. Right? <laughs> Very good. Well, I'm giving you homework because I want you guys, as soon as we're done, to Google monkey business from Pet Shop Boys and let me know what you think. I'm doing it as we speak. Okay, very good. <laughs> and before I let you go, uh, what message do you want to put out to your fans and potential new fans about this new album, uh, Dream Riot? And by the way, and start off by explaining why you called it Dream Riot. Oh, okay. Well, I called it Dream Riot because John was like, I don't want to have an album title where like people have had that album title before, man. That's like so cheesy. I'm like, dude, we're going into 2020. Like, you think there are any words that haven't been put together before? Like, are you crazy? So I like... <laughs> I like scavenged the earth for like two words that could summarize like the, we were trying to go for one word and that is just impossible. So I went for two words that could begin to even sum up the diversity of tracks that we're serving in this album and uh, dream obvious to me, because like there are those beautiful ethereal moments also dream because all the music videos that we featured, except for you do you, which just came out on uh, Friday, which is, so exciting. Um, all of them are faceless creatures. I don't know if you've noticed that. So like I created and made masks for all of them because in my dreams, I don't see faces on people okay. like ever. I only ever see these faceless figures. So that's the dream side of it. And uh, riot because, well, when you hear it, you'll understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's where dream riot came from. And what was the other part of your question? Yeah. Just what message do you want to put out to your fans and potential fans about this project? What do you want them to take from it? Oh, I just think if there's a song that connects with you on this, like we really cover like the gauntlet of topics and we've we've written them with a guise for like, you know, oh, this could be about a relationship or this could be about like whatever the interpreter wants it to be about. But, you know, if you read our little like write ups on them that we've been releasing and will continue to release week by week about the songs, it's like we've, we've hit on some pretty deep topics like there's, uh, you know, social media and mental health and the link between those things. There's things like climate change. There's, uh, you know, relationships with the female perspective in mind and, you know, the, all different sorts of they're all they all stem from like, you know, uncomfortable topics that people don't like talking about. But at surface value, they're like listenable songs. So we've tried to integrate those two ideas. And of course, you can interpret them however you want. But if there's a topic that's out there that like you want to discuss more, like we're, we're here for it. We want to take influence from that on the future songs that we write, because we just think that stuff is so powerful. And that's how things like You Do You came to be. So yeah. perfect. Guys, I love having you on the show. So thank you so much for this. And again, best of luck with the new album. Thank you, Kelly. This is bomb. Awesome. Talk to you soon. (laughs) Lexi and John from Featurette. Again, you can grab all their social media handles from their website, featurettemusic.com. Time now for some new music. Don't mean to sound desperate, but you made it like this. Say I'm number one on your to-do list. I'm available. Justin Bieber has finally released a new album, his first since 2015's Purpose. The new album is called Changes, and Justin has decided to move heavily into an R&B sound on this new project. Now, the song you're hearing is not a single yet, but I hope that it will be. It gives you such a great sense of how most of this album sounds in this new R&B realm for him. The song is called Available, and Justin, by the way, has been very busy promoting the new album and, of course, heads out on tour later this year. Tame 
Tame Impala is a music project led by songwriter, vocalist, and producer Kevin Parker. Kevin, as Tame, has just released his fourth studio album called The Slow Rush, and the song you're hearing is his second single called It Might Be Time. Now, as you can tell, it's got a lot of vibes going on, but trust me, you will be toe-tapping pretty much the rest of the day. Tame Impala has some tour dates going on. You can check out TameImpala.com for all the dates and details. New music on The Kelly Alexander Show. Joining us on the show is Toronto-born but New Zealand-living recording artist Tammy Nielsen. Tammy has a new album on the way called Chickaboom, and we can't wait to talk to her all about it. Tammy, welcome to The Kelly Alexander Show. Thank you. It's great to be here. So you have been described as an artist who can handle singing in a bunch of different genres like blues, country, R&B, and rock. So how does that sit with you? And if you had to pick, what genre do you enjoy singing the most? Oh, you're so mean. Like right <laughs> off the top, you're asking me this. The big tough questions, <laughs> yep. I think I would go crazy if I had to pick just one. Um, you know, for me, as even an audience member, even if I absolutely adore an artist, you know, I, I want to see some variety. And and so for me, I guess, you know, the genres that I cover are kind of all under that Americana umbrella, you know, so it's it's soul, it's blues, it's rockabilly, it's country, it's gospel. And for me, I feel like all those genres come from the same place in the Deep South. And and it was really kind of the music industry that kind of went, well, we need to slot them into categories to sell them. But, um, you know, this was kind of this golden age. I like to say I kind of sing an era of music more than a genre of music because I kind of gravitate to that, the 50s and 60s. And that was a time when, you know, Ray Charles was recording country music and Elvis was recording um, rockabilly and soul. And all of these different artists, Patsy Cline was climbing both the country and the pop charts at the same time. So I don't think that the, 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 the categories mattered as much back then. And that's kind of, I guess, what I gravitate to. So that's my way of getting out of picking just one. <laughs> that's, that's still a good answer. I will take it. Here's another tough one for you, because I'm sure you have lots of influences uh, in music as you were growing up. But I think that most of us have one artist that is just their jam. And for any of my audience members listening, they know for me that that's Janet Jackson. So I'm just wondering for you, who oh, is that? Yes. Um, I would have to say, if I had to choose one, it would probably be Mavis Staples. Oh, tell me um, why. Tell me why. Yeah, she, I guess I have kind of this, you know, I grew up in a family band. She grew up in a family band. She started out in gospel music. I started out in gospel music. And as most family bands do, because you can't really sing in bars until you're, you know, in your teens. <laughs> so you have <laughs> to sing in, in churches where you're allowed to sing. Um, but I guess also, you know, and then she lost her father. I lost my father. And and I got to open for her a couple times and, and meet her. And it's always scary to meet your idols because, you know, they could fall off the pedestal that you put them on. But she far exceeded all of my hopes and dreams. She's just such a strong, incredible artist. You know, she's an integral part of the civil rights movement. She marched with Dr. Martin Luther King. Um, so not only does she have this incredible voice and in incredible music, but she has just this incredible depth and history. She's like walking, talking history. And she just, she's a, just this ball of joy. Um, she's so generous. Um, in spirit, when she meets you, she's she just brings joy everywhere she goes. And 
I think that that, you know, on so many levels as an artist, you know, she's what she's 80 now and she's still, you know, walks into a room, lights it up and gives everybody her time and attention. And that says a lot being in the music business for, you know, she will have been in the music business for, for 75 years and she still has that generosity and that joy. And that, you know, for me is, is really what I kind of, I'm very inspired by. Now, I've seen you play guitar in some of your videos. Is that the instrument that speaks to you the most, or do you also play others? I also play um, the blues harmonica. Um, but I guess, you know, I, I've, I've always said that I, I'm more of a, I'm a musician out of necessity, you know, to, to be a songwriter. Um, it's never been my, my first love. I guess my voice I really see as, as my main instrument and, and that's kind of where my, my first love is. My passion is the others are kind of just to, you know, be able to have a vehicle to, to kind of showcase that voice or carry that voice. Now, this is something I find particularly fascinating. How did someone from Toronto end up cultivating a successful music career in New Zealand? Like, it seems like most people come over here or they go to the States, but not vice versa. I know. It makes so much sense. It was really my long game, you know, to have a big career in New Zealand. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, it. you know, it's that, that old chestnut, the things we do for love. I fell in love with a Kiwi, a New Zealander. And moved across the world, I guess it was about 15 years ago now. And, you know, when you get in those situations, I think most creatives and most musicians particularly, you kind of have to make do with your situation and create where you're planted, basically. And, and yeah, so I kind of landed in New Zealand. And I immediately, because I grew up in a family band touring across Canada and U.S., you know, this is definitely my, my roots and my home. And so I think the first thing I thought as soon as my hit my feet hit uh, New Zealand soil was how can I need to grow my music successful enough so that I can tour back home and have the best of both worlds. Um, and, and that's really what, what I do now. I spend, you know, almost as much time overseas as I do back home in New Zealand. So I and chasing summers, hopefully. <laughs> wow! Yeah, that's good. I I agree with that. That's fantastic. And you have to talk to us. And and you know, I I'm I I am certain that there is obviously an amazing music scene in New Zealand. But for us people all the way over here in Canada who might not have a clue about that, can you explain what it's like to have a music career in New Zealand? Uh, well, New Zealand's a really small place, so it's you know it's kind of the, I think the entire population of the entire country is five million people. And um, Auckland, where I'm from, is kind of the size of, I guess, Toronto. And um, and so I find that because New Zealand's an island, um, you'll find a lot of great artists that come from there, people like uh, Crowded House or Lord. Um, you know, they, they usually hit the world stage having created something quite unique and distinctive. And I think that's because it's so isolated. There's a real do-it-yourself attitude, and there's nothing really to kind of squash that creativity or influence it, you know, whereas I find, you know, we've lived in Nashville um, growing up or out in California, and and I find kind of being, you know, uh, based in those musical hubs, you can't help but kind of be influenced and pick up by osmosis, you know, what everyone else is doing around you, um, whereas in New Zealand you tend to kind of be free of that and you create 
what you want to create without worrying about what certain, you know, what the industry is going to think of it. Um, so it's, it's quite freeing. And so we're getting amazing artists coming out of New Zealand, people like Aldous Harding and Marlon Williams, Nadia Reed, the Beths. You know, these are all incredible artists that, that you should check out. And, um, and the history there, I mean, the Flying Nun label who brought out so many of the revolutionary acts in, in the 80s and kind of the start of, of um, that, that new wave movement. So um, definitely worth checking out if, if you haven't kind of explored New Zealand music. Do you think you'll ever want to move back to Canada full time or is that like off the table? Well, I mean, it always lurks in the back of your mind. I think every expat feels that way. You know, they always kind of have these daydreams. What would it be like if I moved back home? And I think so now that I've, and I used to think of it way more often, but now that I have two kids who are, you know, in school and they have their own little worlds and their friends, um, it becomes a little bit more about, it's not just about me anymore. Um, and so I, that definitely kind of sways the decision making, but I mean, in an ideal world, I would love to be able to spend, you know, a a portion of time here in, in Canada and, and then the rest of the year in New Zealand. So I, you know, we'll have to see how that works. And, uh, it's always kind of crossing each bridge as we come to it, as my career Uh, grows overseas. Hanging out with us on the show is Canadian recording artist Tammy Nielsen. You can grab all of her information and social media handles from her website, TammyNielsen.com. Tammy, let's talk about this new album that's on the way, Chickaboom. First of all, you have to explain to me why you called it that. That's awesome. (laughs) Well, it's funny. I have this affinity for like uh, album titles with exclamation points at the end of (laughs) three (laughs) syllable. I had dynamite, I had sassafras, and now I have Chickaboom. And I guess I really love, actually, one of the songs on the album, I kind of do this boom, 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 chicka, chicka. And and so I think that the word kind of conjures up a certain era as well and a certain style of music. It's very kind of, um, you know, Johnny Cash, Wanda Jackson, rockabilly of kind of the 50s and 60s. And um, I also love that, you know, for me, Chicka Boom kind of makes you think, you know, the chick goes boom. <laughs> and um, and so it kind of is, I, I love, I just love the power of the word. But I also wanted, it kind of, um, I guess, symbolizes the songs on the album. I wanted to write, write an album that was kind of really punchy little firecrackers. And, uh, you know, and I thought Chickaboom is uh, kind of the perfect way to describe that. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, can you talk to us a little bit about the journey with this album? Like, did it come out fairly easy or was it like a, a drawn out process to get it done? This one was actually a, a, a quick one. It was, you know, it, it, it always varies with each album, but um, this one kind of poured out pretty quickly. It was, um, I, I really wanted to strip back um, after my last album, which kind of got quite big with horn sections and strings, and and I really wanted to pare it back down to kind of that ethos of the rockabilly kind of three-piece, um, you know, real country rockabilly uh, trio vibe. And um, so the songs kind of rolled out from there, and um, I wanted to have my brother involved this time. You know, he's he's based back in Canada. 
as I said, I grew up in a, in a family band. And so when I first moved to New Zealand, that was quite daunting to kind of strike out on my own. And 15 years later, I've kind of built this solo career in New Zealand. But I feel that now, you know, as I've toured internationally, I've really noticed that, you know, I, I sometimes had used to have my brother in the band to fill in if my New Zealand guys weren't available. And whenever he was on the road with me, it just made the world of difference to kind of have that person who's your village, you know, who's part of your village on tour. Cause touring is a really isolating, um, you know, a quite, quite a hard lifestyle uh, to be apart from your loved ones. And so to have him on the road with me, just made a huge difference and and so I really wanted to write an album specifically for showcasing kind of those sibling sibling uh blood harmonies and you know nobody can harmonize with you like a sibling and and someone who's kind of shared stages with you for 30 years <laughs> so um it's really really special for that reason and um so the the music came together really quickly and we co-wrote a lot of it. My co-producer Delaney Davidson from New Zealand co-wrote some of the songs on it. And uh, I flew Jay over for just a week in New Zealand summer, which he was quite happy to come over in February last year or earlier this year. And, um, and yeah, we smashed it out in a week and, uh, and uh, it felt, it just feels really fresh and rough and tumble. And uh, that's the way that they used to record albums. You know, in the 50s and 60s, it was like, okay, we've got, you know, a couple days off the road. Let's churn out these hits, you know. <laughs> so, Which is fantastic. Um, yeah, I really love the feeling of it. Can you talk to us a little bit about your song, Big Boss Mama? Because, first of all, I was able to hear the song and I was able to watch the video. It's just so amazing. Can you tell us how the idea came for it and, and what do you want people to take away from the song and the video? Mm. Well, Big Boss Mama, we released kind of as a one-off single on International Women's Day uh, earlier this year. And it's just a song that celebrates powerful women. Uh, the video showcases, I guess you can kind of guess who some of these historical um, women are. And then there's a couple modern day women in there who are heroes of mine. Uh, Jacinda Ardern, who is the New Zealand Prime Minister, um, Buffy St. Marie, um, and then there's Rosa Parks, uh, we have Cleopatra, we have um, uh, Joan of Arc, uh, Amelia Earhart. So there's, it's all these strong women throughout history. And um, the idea I can't take credit for, um, my other brother, the one that doesn't tour with me, my younger brother, runs a creative firm, uh, Valiant Creative Agency, and he puts together all of my uh, music videos and the artwork for my album. So I'm really lucky. It's still very much a family affair, even though we don't, you know, uh, may not hit the road together as kids anymore. <laughs> and um, he's the one that said, you know, I've got this idea for Big Boss Mama. And I didn't even know he was doing it. He did it all behind my back. All of the vignettes of, of, the, of the incredible women. He just said to me, send me a list of like, women that you admire or powerful women throughout history. And then he created all of those um, vignettes of the, of the incredible um, shots of the women. And then he, I was in town on tour and I had one night off and he said, I need you for that one night. And I went in and did my performance um, in the office and, uh, and then he put it all together and it was, it was like, 
opening up a Christmas present on Christmas morning. It was just incredible to see. And he totally understands and gets the message that I was putting, putting across with that album. And yeah, it's one of my favorite videos. I wanted to get your opinion on this just because we're talking about Big Boss Mom, and I'm not sure how uh, much you follow this, but it's been all over the world the last you know few days or so, and it's been sort of in the news for a, a while. Uh, Taylor Swift, you know, taking a stance uh, and, and coming out months ago against um, you know her former label and and the guy that was in charge of that, Scott Borchetta, and then of course um, Scooter Braun, who who purchased her her albums. And I'm just wondering, in the last little while, you know, she's come out again saying that this is problematic for her, and and you know she's she's. Being told that she can't perform her songs and all this stuff is, is getting worked out, it sounds like. But I just want to know, as someone in the music industry, a female, what's your take on someone as big as Taylor coming forth with this? Because I think a lot of times this gets swept mm. under the rug. Oh, yeah. I think it's wonderful that she's so open and kind of pulls back the curtain because for decades, I mean, since the dawn of the music industry, basically, I mean, we've, we've all, there's always been uh, predominantly male gatekeepers. And so for her to speak out, and the thing is, it, it's a scary thing, no matter how seemingly powerful an artist may be, um, it, you are still very much controlled and intimidated um, by, by the people who control you. And so speaking out can destroy a career. Um, whereas I, I think that Taylor is in a position that she can pull back that curtain and expose um, what's happening behind the scenes, but she's in a very unique position. It's not often that a female artist gets to that position of power. And even though she's at the complete peak, I mean, she, she's probably the most powerful female artist, probably her and I would say a very select few like Beyonce. Um, and, uh, you know, for her to be, be in that position to not, worry as much about losing what she has and speaking out. But even at the peak of that, she still is vulnerable. She's still um, taking a very big risk speaking out and there's huge backlash from certain circles. And I think she's an incredibly brave person um, to even talk about it, you know, to even pull back that curtain and discuss it. And, and I think it's really important that she does because uh, people, could, you know, the average person has stars in their eyes. They don't realize that kind of this ugly underbelly of, of the music business. And I think that, you know, she's such a huge influence on especially young girls who, you know, she's modeling for them uh, what they want to be. And so I think it's equally important that she also shows uh, it's not just all, you know, beautiful songs and music videos and great outfits and, you know, sell out tours. It's um, you also have to contend with all of this. And, yeah, it's a cautionary tale. And I think that the work she does is incredibly important. I think it's really interesting that you said that she's pretty much one of the only ones that could speak out. Because I think apart from maybe her mm. and Beyonce and like a Katy Perry uh, even mm. even for Katy Perry, it might be even dangerous to, to, to speak out. But yeah, and that's kind of sad when I think about maybe some of the younger artists that have successful careers, but 
but aren't to Taylor's level. And even, let's say Halsey, like, I don't mm. even know if a Halsey could speak out, you know, without, no. without having serious no. blowback. And so do you think that um, in your uh, journeys and your travels around the world, like, how do you find um, women artists are with each other? Like, is there a support system? Because I know the media and, and I think even just... I think PR firms even just want to create this this uh, perception that women don't get along. Yeah, yeah. And and for me personally, I find, I mean, you can't kind of put, uh, you know, use these broad strokes to say all women are like this or, you know, I can't speak for all. It's just like, I mean, anybody. There are people who are insecure. There are people who are secure, you know. So it's, but, but uh, predominantly my experience has been, um, you know, the female artists uh, that I either work with or rub shoulders with or that are colleagues of mine uh, the world over, whether it be New Zealand, Canada, Europe, um, are incredibly supportive. I mean, we are all in the trenches together. We, we're all facing the, the same thing. And I think the only people that tend to, you know, when they have success, kind of quietly close the door behind them because they know this spot is, if you know, if I don't have if if I don't have this spot, then someone else is going to take it because there's only one spot. That kind of attitude is is I don't think the 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 dominant one. I think there are people that are like that 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 are not secure. Um, but I mean, the women that helped me in my career along the way, I can specifically remember. There's a there's a an act in New Zealand who took me on my first tour to open for them. And I remember them accepting a, you know, an, an award at, at a ceremony once and in their speech saying, you know, when you, whenever you have any sort of success, make sure you hold the door, you know, once those doors open for you, make sure you open it wide enough and hold it open so others can follow through behind you. And that I think tends to be the, the predominant attitude. And, you know, the women that I reach out to when I'm on tour, when I'm going through, you know, there's so many pitfalls in the music industry and it's a hard place to negotiate male or female, but it's, you know, vastly harder as a female um, because the, the, the playing field is not level. And um, the people that the only people I can turn to that understand that are my fellow colleagues and and female musicians and creatives. And so, you know, when I'm on the road um, and I'm facing hard obstacles, the people I turn to, I have like a Facebook, we have a secret group and it's all pretty much all the female artists in New Zealand that, um, that go through this same thing. And I start messaging them and going, I need, I need some, you know, encouragement here or some wisdom or some insight and boom, they're all there no matter where I am. So, um, yeah, that, that tends to be, uh, the way I view the industry from the inside. Um, not the other way around. Now, I have to ask you, with regards to your album, Chickaboom, when it drops, are you going to be touring voraciously for the next, like, X amount of months? <laughs> well, I've actually, um, you know, it's funny because I, I, from the outside looking at it, it does look like I tour voraciously, um, and and I do in a way. But I had, um, I had kind of this epiphany last year. I, I had done a run of shows in Europe. It was like five weeks. And there was one section where I had 20 shows in 22 days. 
and it was not a good experience. <laughs> it was, it was craziness. It was um, no rest and lost my voice and just hit a wall. And I kind of jumped off that treadmill for the summer to be with my boys, which is, you know, January, February in, in New Zealand. And um, I looked at what was, you know, how I had been touring the past, internationally for the past two years. And I thought, you know what, this, this is a template that was created for young, single, mostly males. And I'm none of those things. So how about I create a template that works for me as a mother who lives at the bottom of the world (laughs) (laughs) and and who's in her forties, you know? And, um, and so I kind of just started chipping away at the things that were not working for me and that were taking my joy. And, you know, and so now, you know, just kind of those touring 101 for me at this time in my life, I want to be with my kids as much as possible. And I can't, I don't cope well being away for longer than kind of two weeks. And of course, that doesn't work very well with kind of the industry standard, but it works well for me and my family. And that's what's important to me. And, and uh, a lot of people are afraid to do that. Um, and I'd rather have my joy and want to go on tour, um, and not dread it. And so I started saying, well, instead of doing five weeks of, you know, club shows to a couple hundred people a night, how about I do one festival to 10,000 people and go back home to my kids? (laughs) Yep. And so, yeah, just trying to tour smarter. And, and so I started doing that, um, also not flying my entire New Zealand band over. I have my brother and a Canadian drummer now that I use for international shows. And yeah, and it's honestly made a world of difference. So even though, you know, I might be overseas every month or every six weeks, I'm also home every month. Um, so it's, it's felt like a good balance. We've just kind of tried that. And when I say we, you know, it's me and my husband and my kids and, and that when I tour, it's not just me. Um, it's, it's, it's my whole village. So I have to take that into consideration and, and it's been working really well for us as a family. I am constantly jet lagged. Yep. Yep. (laughs) But, um, jet lagged, but happy. That's perfect. So, yeah. So that's kind of what the schedule will look like with Chickaboom as well is, is kind of, you know, going in, doing a couple of weeks, going home to my kids and, um, and, uh, yeah, uh, that's, that's living the dream for me. Perfect. And before I let you go, I did want to ask for someone who may not have heard of you yet, uh, that's listening to the show, what do you want them to take away from the album and from a, a night at one of your shows? Oh, man, I want them to have, um, uh, you know, a reprieve from the crazy world that we're living in right now and just kind of get an infusion of joy um, that will carry them through for, you know, at least a few weeks. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, kind of of arm them, um, especially women. I want them to kind of get this infusion, um, that, you know, of encouragement and inspiration and, and, 
um, just that solidarity um, of, of uh, being, I mean, it's been used so much empowered, but it's really important that we have people that pour that power and confidence and joy into us. And I, I mean, that's my whole goal is to try to be one of those people for my audiences. Awesome. Tammy, it's been so great to, to have you on the show. Thank you so much for doing this, and we wish you all the best of luck, and you're welcome back anytime. Uh, thanks, Kelly. That's Canadian recording artist Tammy Nielsen, who now makes a, a, a bunch of noise in New Zealand, so make sure you check her out if you're over there. You can, of course, grab all of her social media handles and more information off of her website, TammyNielsen.com. Here's what's going on around the world in music and entertainment. A big shout out to Jennifer Hudson, who just wrapped filming on her upcoming Aretha Franklin biopic called Respect. Aretha herself wanted Jennifer to play her in the movie, and Jennifer made sure that she did that for Aretha, who passed away back in 2018. Jennifer told her fans on Instagram that it was an honor to be a part of this project, which is going to hit theaters on October the 9th. And you know what? I would not be surprised if Jennifer is a major contender for lead actress next Hollywood award show season. Season. Ed Sheeran is on vacation from his career at the moment, and he is definitely not lacking in funds to do whatever he wants during his time off. It's being reported that Ed gave himself quite the payday after his Divide tour ended, 73.4 million pounds, which in Canadian dollars comes to almost 127 million bucks. In a new interview, Justin Bieber talks about the pressures of fame, and you can hear him get emotional as he relives what he's been going through. I think in the past I was so caught up in all of like the bad things in my life that I, I just I wasn't able to really take take a second and, and really appreciate all the all the little things. You can catch Justin's full chat with Apple Music's Zane Lowe. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us on the program this week and a shout out to our guests, Featurette and Tammy Nielsen. My thanks to Adam Brisson for being an amazing producer. And don't forget that you can listen to us on many different platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher Radio. We'd also love for you to grab all of our social media handles by hitting up our website, kellyalexandershow.com. Have a great week. You and I'll chat soon. The Kelly Alexander Show.